Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and Merry Christmas for those of you that are celebrating it. You are listening to a special Christmas edition of Fiscum All, your weekly consistency check on America's political and legal file systems. I'm your host, T. Greg Doucette, here in studio with Mike the Sound Guy, recording the last live podcast that we have uh, for the rest of 2017. I mean, isn't that crazy? By the time we uh, have another podcast done, it will be our January 1st episode, which I'm not sure if we're going to have. I mean, I would like to because I know the, the list of criminal justice shenanigans will be ungodly long if I go three weeks without an actual news podcast. Uh, but we'll see. So we're going to send Mike on vacation after this. We're recording this the uh, the Friday before Christmas. Mike is going to be gone for all of next week and will not be back until January 3rd. So if we have another episode, uh, I will be slicing and dicing it myself. I have been slowly learning the tricks of GarageBand from him uh, over the past seven months so that just in case he you know decides he doesn't want to do this anymore, gets a new job or drops dead or something. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't want you to drop dead. Um, you know, but just making sure that I can fill in in case for some reason he can't chop up the audio for me. Uh, so we are going to do volume five of What the Fisk, WT Fisk, where I take your questions and give you candid answers to them. Uh, also this year, so we've done like four of these before, and I always pick them out ahead of time. And Mike said that that's boring because I think about the answers before I give them. Uh, so I've also had him prepare some questions that he has sourced from other sources that I don't know about. He's going to give them to me uh, in real time once I get through the ones that I've selected from uh, Twitter from folks who sent us uh, questions that they had. Before we get into that, though, I'd mentioned in the last podcast the Eastway Food Raiser, our third annual Eastway Food Raiser, turned out very well. Uh, if you want to see the results of that, there is a thread on Twitter with pictures and everything else. Uh, I've got a video from Professor Parker that I'm going to append to that, hopefully by the time you get this on Monday. And we're waiting for pictures of the families and the kids getting the groceries. She actually had a friend come in this year and photograph everything so that she didn't have to do it herself. So once they get me that stuff, it will be added to the Twitter thread so you can check it out. Uh, your help made a huge difference. We ended up sponsoring three classrooms this year compared to one classroom last year uh, because of your generosity, and it was awesome. Uh, in addition to that... Uh, I mentioned also in a prior podcast that we had taken the player off of the website because it kept crashing the server. Uh, we did have some new Patreon patrons chip in, and they've chipped in enough that I'm going to be able to afford a VPS, a virtual private server. So that will start January 1st. Uh, the player is back on the website. We'll have the VPS starting January 1, so hopefully everything will be much more responsive and you won't have to worry about anything crashing or going offline. So there's that. Also, make sure that you join the conversation online. If you haven't already, our Twitter account is at Fiskamall. That is at F-S-C-K-E-M-A-L-L. -L. The website that I mentioned is Fiskamall.com, F-S-C-K-E-M-A-L-L.com. And our Patreon page is Patreon.com slash Fisk, slash F-S-C-K. So going from the questions that were sent to us, uh, we're going to start off with at Oxwoff. O-X-W-O-F. He's referring to the J-20 prosecutions in D.C. In this week's criminal justice news, those first six defendants uh, were cleared of all charges. The jury came back not guilty. And he asks, are political revenge prosecutions, which I feel this is, common at the federal level? 
And the short answer is that's a difficult question to ask because the word common in there is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Um, so what we would consider revenge prosecutions, you've pitched, pissed off a, a U.S. attorney or a local district attorney if you're at the state level, and they dis- or a cop for that matter, and they decide to charge you, is a common practice in the sense that it's not unusual to see it. Now, it's not common if you're comparing it to the vast array of everything else that gets prosecuted. Because at the state level, there are so many other crimes that political prosecutions are dropping the bucket. And at the federal level, the opportunity to have political prosecutions are limited compared to... So like federal prosecutorial power is only limited to what is in the United States Code. Federal prosecutors don't have unlimited common law jurisdiction like the states do. So they prosecute a narrower set of crimes... And something that would be a political prosecution, like showing up at a protest, they can't just prosecute that all the time. In this particular case with the J-20 protests, the reason why these were prosecutable is because it's in the District of Columbia. It's a federal jurisdiction where a certain degree of home rule has been delegated to the D.C. City Council by Congress. But pretty much any crime there, if the federal government wanted to prosecute it, it could because D.C. is a federal jurisdiction. Um, there's, there's not really many opportunities to do that outside of a military base, a, you know, the actual district of Columbia, a post office. There's just not a whole lot of federal jurisdiction to get prosecuted for protesting. Um, so I would say it is common in the sense that it's not unusual to see it. I mean, we see it all the time here in North Carolina. I've represented probably 70 protesters at this point over the past three or four years, you had the Moral Monday movement that three years ago had 1,000 people arrested. Year, year after that was like 500. Year after that was 200 uh, from folks just showing up to the General Assembly and engaging in civil disobedience. And the lawmakers don't like having voters around. They like to come to you when it's election time, but once they're in office, they only want to talk to the lobbyists. So I would say that it is common in the sense that it's not unusual, but it is not common relative to everything else the prosecution does. So, Oxwa, thank you for that question. Uh, next one comes from Byron Mobley. We've talked about him before. He is one of our Law and Forty lovers. Byron, thank you for your support. And he asks, are North Carolina trial judges elected slash appointed or mixed like the Missouri-Tennessee system where they're appointed and then there's a retention election. So what we have is that all judges are elected by default. That is our setup. It's actually required in the North Carolina Constitution. Every judge is subject to election. If a judge retires, because we have a mandatory retirement age, I think it's 72, don't quote me on that, but any judge that hits that age, they can serve until the end of the month where they hit that age and then they have to step down. Um, so any vacancy that comes from that or a judge that passes away or a judge that just decides to quit, uh, those terms are filled out by appointment. So what happens is the local bar for that particular county will choose five nominees to present to the governor, and the governor can appoint anybody he wants. He's not bound by those five choices, but it's very common for the governor to pick the top vote-getter of that particular uh, county. So for example, here in Durham, uh, we had a vacancy open up and uh, because uh, one of our judges, Marsha Mori, became a state legislator. So to fill out her space, we had a selection process. Uh, Amanda Maris ended up being the top vote getter for that thing. She got appointed to the seat. You look down in Wake County and there was a vacancy that opened up when Michael Morgan, who became a Supreme Court justice in North Carolina, 
that left open a superior court seat that a district court judge, Vince Rozier, one of my mentors, was appointed to, which opened up his district court spot. Uh, and then Sam Hamandani was the top vote getter for that position, and the governor appointed her to that. So that's generally the process, how it works. But everyone who is filling out a term has to run a full-blown regular election in the next election cycle. Um, and everyone else runs every, I think it's six years. Don't quote me on that either. I really shouldn't know that, but I don't because I have no interest in ever being a judge. I would never want to be a judge. It is a shit job. Uh, actually I got, I got gently redressed by judge Dunstan, who was my classmate because I was in court just this past Tuesday. And one of my friends saw a Facebook post where a Durham judge had asked me if I was running for a judgeship. And I said, hell no. Uh, and then now, like, every time I see people in court, they're joking about it. So when are you going to run for judge? Uh, and I said, I would never want that job. It's terrible. And apparently I said it too loudly. And Judge Dunstan politely was like, really, Mr. Doucette, that loudly in the middle of court? Uh, so I had to explain what that was about. But yes, so everyone is elected by default. Vacancies are appointed based on the governor's, you know, perquisite to do whatever he wants. Uh, but there is a bar vote and there, there's no retention elections. The General Assembly actually tried to create retention elections recently because our state Supreme Court had a four Republican majority out of seven justices. There were four Republicans, three Democrats, and there was only one justice up for election, and he was a Republican. So to avoid him potentially losing that seat, the General Assembly passed a law to make the 2016 election a retention election, uh, as opposed to a pure run for office election. And the courts actually ruled that that was unconstitutional because under the North Carolina Constitution, all judges have to be elected and a retention election isn't a real election. Uh, so if it's something where we want to do away with what we've got, it's going to require an amendment to the state constitution. Uh, oddly enough, that prompted more changes to the ballot where they made all of the judicial races with the exception of the Supreme Court partisan. So you would have Republican and Democrat labels on the ballot. And then for that Supreme Court race, it was mostly a Republican wave here in North Carolina. The Republicans won all of the judicial races that were on the statewide ballot, except for the Supreme Court, because among the other changes made to the ballot, uh, all Republicans got the top line. And I, I don't understand the why that was what the way it is, but every Republican in every race, executive, legislative, judicial, was the top line. But the state Supreme Court race was chosen randomly, and Justice Michael Morgan, who I just mentioned, got the top line for that. So you had a lot of Democrats voting for Justice Morgan because he was a Democrat, and you had a lot of Republicans voting for Justice Morgan because they were idiots and just blanketly checked every single first box on the ballot. So he ended up winning pretty decisively. Um, so the General Assembly is currently talking about potential ways of going to an appointed judgeship framework uh, because they don't like how that turned out. And the more they try to fix it, the more they fuck it up. So Byron, thank you for the question. Next one is from Facebook. We have a guy named Jared. Uh, nope, sorry. I'm skipping ahead. Next one's still on Twitter. We have one from Kylie, uh, at Kai Delito. She says, no matter how he has shown the door, referring to the papaya potus, Donald Trump, once he's out of the White House, he's going to talk about how he did the greatest job as president and also all of the money he made while doing it. Knowing that's illegal, and she's referring to profiting personally off of the presidency, will Trump be able to be indicted or prosecuted based on those statements? Um, the short answer is probably not, 
based on the statement. So that's the actual question. The answer is probably not, and here's why. Um, Trump is a liar. He's a well-documented liar, and it's going to be difficult to say for him to say he profited handsomely from the presidency. You, you can't really prosecute that like that's the truth when odds are he's probably bullshitting. Um, well, it's not true. He's probably not bullshitting. He probably is making a shitload of money from being president. Um, but it's difficult to make that argument when his defense is going to be, well, I lied about everything else, so this is no big deal. However, well, and there's another wrinkle to this. In addition, I suspect he's going to pardon himself before he leaves office. We've talked about whether or not a president can self-pardon in a prior Law 140. I would be very surprised if he doesn't issue a pardon to himself before he leaves office. So if that happens, any federal misconduct that he has done prior to the date of the pardon is going to be wiped away and can't be prosecuted anyway. Uh, with that being said, if he does actual illegal conduct, which I have no doubt that he's doing now, I mean, it's this guy doesn't act like he does. His cabinet wouldn't act like they do if they weren't engaged in criminal wrongdoing that they're trying to keep from the public. Um, if he continues to do that, does not happen to pardon himself, does not get a pardon from the next president, whoever that might be, yes, when he leaves office, he can be prosecuted for actual illegal conduct he has conducted. So we've also talked the president cannot be prosecuted while he's in office, but the instant he leaves office, uh, he is fair game for the United States attorney if there's a president that decides to prosecute. Uh, I doubt that's going to happen, to be honest with you. I think Trump is going to completely fuck this country every way he can, and he's going to get away with it because our Congress critters are utterly fucking spineless. And what's going to happen is that whoever gets elected president in 2020 is just going to say, let's move on, call it a day. And, and heal from the four years of fuckery that is brought the, uh, the Trump administration has brought to us. I just think that's how it's going to go. I'm happy to be proven wrong. Hopefully three years from now we can revisit this podcast and I will have been found to be incorrect, but I'm expecting that to be the case. Uh, also, so now we're transitioning over to Facebook for real. Uh, got a question from a guy named Jared. He says, quote, without giving me a lawyer answer like it depends... If you had to pick one, and then in parentheses, he has just one exclamation point, best way for us to support the podcast, what should we do? I can't really answer that without giving you a lawyer answer of it depends, because everyone's situation is a little bit different. Um, there, there are a lot of ways you can help. Now, the biggest one, of course, is money. That's why I keep mentioning the Patreon account uh, every episode, because the money allows us to pay Mike so he can keep editing the sound, allows us to cover our hosting costs. Starting January, it's going to let us get this VPS so we can have a more responsive website. At some point, we're going to need to do advertising to get out to more people that I can't just reach via word of mouth on Twitter. Um, and I like to do these podcasts more often because, frankly, I'm sick of doing an hour and a half long episodes because I know y'all don't listen to them. I mean, you still listen, but a lot of people like listen to them over the spans of days as opposed to listening to them on a single commute. And that was the objective when we started this in May. I was going to keep it to 30 minutes so you can listen to it on your commute into work and call it a day. I like to do two episodes a week so we can get to that, but we can't do that until... The money is there for me to either bring on more staff to help prep the outlines or to free me up from work, you know, kind of pay my living expenses so I'm not in the office all the time. So if I had to pick one, I would say money, but I know a lot of people don't have money because the economy is still trash. So the other way you can help is by convincing other people to listen. You know, Byron has talked to a lot of folks. I see him on Twitter mentioning the podcast, um, Sam as well. We've got several other people that have been pitching the show every chance they get. 
Uh, and I, I appreciate that tremendously. But that only works if you got people that you can talk to that are willing to listen to your podcast advice. So if you don't have that either, the next thing to do is to leave us a rating or a written review on Apple Podcasts. Because what happens is that influences the search results. When people go search for a particular term, we get better results if we have more ratings and reviews from people. So think of it in tiers. If you have a boatload of money and you're willing to part with some of it, uh, please become a patron because that a patron a patron on Patreon uh, because that helps us expand. If you don't have money, tell friends to listen to the podcast. If the friends don't trust your judgment in podcasts, or you don't have friends, either one, uh, leave us a rating or a written review. That would be great. So, Jared, thank you for that question. Let's get something lighter. I mean, it's Mike. Do you want to give me yours now? No, we're gonna wait. Okay. So Byron asked another one. Byron Mobley, who I mentioned earlier, he asked, "What's my favorite beer?" Uh, it's a trick question because I actually don't have one. I hate beer. I think beer tastes terrible. Uh, the best beer that I had, frankly, was something that was home-brewed by a fraternity at NC State that I went to a fraternity party that I was invited to my last year of college uh, because I was the president of the student senate and the president of the student body was a member of this fraternity and invited me over to, I think we were playing beer pong or something like that, uh, flip cup, I can't remember. But anyhow, they were brewing something at the frat house and it was not bad, but still pretty gross. I'm a, I'm a liquor guy, so I, li- I drink whiskey a lot. Uh, I drink vodka on occasion. I prefer citrusy type drinks, so a whiskey sour typically, or I'll take vodka and just pour it into my soda if I'm in a, if I'm in drinking mood. Uh, but I don't typically drink much in general because... It's just not something that I have a particular taste for. My favorite beverage generally uh, is an Arnold Palmer. So half sweet tea, half lemonade, mix that up. I, I have that all the time. Uh, and then as I mentioned, I drink a lot of soda. So Mountain Dew, Sunkiss, that sort of thing. But I am not a beer fan. So if you guys want to buy me a beer, I will have to respectfully decline. I will happily take a whiskey sour instead. Next question on Facebook is from Jennifer. She says, for your next What the Fisk Revisit your podcasts. Have you listened to any new podcasts since the list you gave us? Also, what do you watch on television? Uh, So I'm not going to revisit the podcast because I actually haven't added any of them since the list from our last What the Fisk episode. I don't remember which one it was. I want to say it was volume three. Uh, I can't remember exactly. I'll list it in the show notes. The only one that I can think of that I have added is the Uncivil podcast from Gimlet Media, where they look at the Civil War. I think that's it. I've stopped listening to The Weeds from Vox, because I just was not a fan of it. Uh, I've also stopped listening to The Rubin Report, because I've just not been as impressed with David Rubin as I was expecting to be. Uh, still subscribe to The Rubin Report. I check it periodically. I'm just not, uh, not, not as much as a fan. Uh, oh, wait, I'm wrong. I did add another one. In addition to Uncivil, I've added The Remnant from Jonah Goldberg from National Review Online. It gets a bit into the wonky side because Goldberg is a conservative. He writes for the NRO. So you'll have, uh, for example, there was a lengthy podcast he had about kind of the flavors of conservatism and the history of it, how that all came about. Uh, but I like that sort of stuff. I mean, I read National Review Online pretty regularly. I read The Weekly Standard pretty regularly. Um, so The Remnant from Jonah Goldberg and Uncivil from Gimlet Media would be the two podcasts I've added since that long list I gave you all a few podcasts ago. What do I watch on TV is a longer list than it should be. So like I got rid of cable during the bar exam and I never went back. I ended up, I got a Netflix account, got a Hulu account, uh, and, and more or less stopped watching television during the first three years of my, uh, my law firm. And then over year four and five, 
I, I ended up transitioning back into things because of superhero shows. So I ended up watching Arrow. I started binge watching Arrow. That led me to watching Flash, uh, which in turn led me to watching Supergirl, I will admit, and Legends of Tomorrow. So all of those shows are from DC. Just this past summer, uh, I don't even know if it was summer, it might have been fall, found out about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I had known it had existed, but never had actually watched it before, and then watched it, liked it, and then promptly binged watched uh, all four seasons to get caught up in time for season five. Uh, and then, of course, on Netflix, I watch all of the, the superhero shows there. So uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Punisher, Heroes for Hire, all that other shit. Um, that is a very large chunk of my television watching is either Marvel stuff or DC stuff. I don't watch TV often, but on weekends, I'll tend to binge watch three or four episodes at a stretch. Um, other shows on, well, I guess so like on Netflix, I watch ultimate beast master, you know, it's kind of like an American gladiators type show. It's very cheesy, but it's also very cool. Like I, I kind of like American Ninja warrior. If any of you have ever seen that, I enjoy it. Uh, dear white people is funny as hell. So I know it's not exactly designed for white audiences, but knowing the friends that I have and the people that I've met, I thought it was a fantastic series. Um, on HBO, of course, Game of Thrones, uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, uh, Insecure is really funny too, Real Time with Bill Maher, uh, The Walking Dead, of course, as you could imagine, uh, Scandal, Designated Survivor, The Blacklist, and Suits, which I love even though it's gotten kind of a little ridiculous the past few episodes. So that is my current viewing list. I've watched some other shows that have since gone off the air. Like I really enjoyed Turn on AMC. It's about the Revolutionary War and kind of the first... Uh, first spies that the country had, but apparently no one else liked it. So after three seasons, that was done. Um, but yeah, so that is my television list. Jennifer, thank you for the questions. All right, Mike, that's all I've got. So you got to give me your stuff if you don't mind so we can keep this rolling. What is the weirdest thing in my apartment? That's a weird fucking question, dude. Did you come up with that on your own? Or did you get that from somebody? That That's a, that's a strange one. Okay. The weirdest thing in my apartment. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I don't actually know. I do. Okay. So y'all know the when there's a wet floor, those little yellow caution plastic things that they put up so that you're on, a, on notice that it's wet. I have one of those uh, because my last, my first senior year, so I had two senior years at NC State. My first of those two senior years, we were in an elevator and in the, uh, the residence halls. And I hope I don't get arrested for saying this. So there was a caution thing on there that someone had taken and drawn on with a marker. Uh, they had drawn a, you know, you have the picture, the silhouette of a human falling backwards. They had drawn on a pirate hat and a sword to make it look like the guy is falling and then wrote on the bottom, um, the quote from Pirates of the Caribbean. You will, you remember this is the day that you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow, except Sparrow was cut off like he's falling off of the ship. Uh, and then at the bottom, They've written, P.S., this floor has been dry for weeks. Why is this sign still here? Uh, so I took it and kept it as a souvenir when I was in college and then never actually gave it back. So I still have it like eight years, nine years later, uh, however long it's been since I was last in undergrad. So that's probably the weirdest thing in my apartment. There's also a lot of old tech stuff. I mean, like when I was, I used to be super on up to date with my technology, uh, upgraded stuff all the time. But then when I started my law practice, I, I didn't. I mean, I got a laptop and I use that a lot. I have a backup for the data, but you know, I've got a lot of old hard drives laying around. I've got a lot of old cat five cables laying around 
HDMI cables, VGA cables. Uh, I've got a, a Mac Mini with a G4 uh, Power PC processor. So before Apple made the switch to the Intel stuff, um, so I got a lot of old tech. But I would say probably the weirdest thing would be the uh, the caution sign. What is my biggest pet peeve? Um, hmm. It used to be standing in lines. But now that I've got a phone, it's not really a pet peeve anymore because I could just kill time on Twitter playing video games. I would probably say technology obsolescence. Um, So, for example, I've got a Brother 2170W printer at home that I've had for almost 10 years now. Uh, It works great. That's why I keep it. You know, I replace the toner like once a year because I don't print that much at home now that I'm no longer in law school. But every now and then, the Wi-Fi will fritz out, and I have to figure out how to get it to work again. And the trying to do it this last time, we had a power outage that knocked the printer off, knocked the Wi-Fi off. When everything came back on, the printer was no longer associating with the network. And I guess my OS had updated to the point where now it doesn't run Java by default. So I installed Java, which is required to run the wireless setup assistant for the printer, and the version of Java that I had was too modern for the archaic ass installer for the printer, which of course does not have a modern installer because the printer was made like 10 years ago. So I had to go find a legacy Java that of course has been replaced because it's not secure, run that long enough to run the printer installer, then uninstall the unsecure version of Java and like tuck it away somewhere so that in case I have to use it again, I can. Um, but I'd say that particularly given the stuff that I, I work with, uh, technology obsolescence is a problem because like I've got a shitload of backup data on CD that I don't use. Uh, I've got hard drives without enclosures because the interfaces have changed. So like I have a lot of enclosures with a FireWire interface, which is IEEE 1394, but it's revision one. And now I think FireWire, the standard is like at revision three. So all the cables are different. Uh, I've got the USB interface, but it's a USB one interface. Most USB stuff is USB two or three. Um, so technology trying to plan for the future is problematic. So I would say that is my biggest pet peeve for now. It probably wouldn't be as big a deal if I weren't so out of the loop on it. But when my day is spent on regular court stuff, I don't have time to keep up with tech like I used to when I was an undergrad. Next question. I'm not going to answer that one. No. Okay. So he's asked me what my favorite memory is of 2017. And the the truth is I don't really have one, man. 2017 has sucked. It has been terrible. Uh, You know, like there are years where you will remember them as highlight years as you're thinking back in your life. You know, 1998, graduated high school. My son was born. I started at NC State. 2005, I got back into college after dropping out. 2008, I had gotten elected president uh, for the second term of the student senate, president for the first term of the statewide association of student governments, and got admitted to law school. 2012, graduated law school with honors, passed the bar, et cetera, et cetera. Like those are highlight years. 2017 has just been bad. You know, Facebook does this uh, this year in review where they look at a lot of your stuff. And even that, there's nothing inspiring <laughs> in my year in review. Like, it was it was great stories. You know, my friends had a lot of really cool stuff happening. But, you know, it's been a bad year. I mean, it's just been an absolutely bad year. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's – my vacation was nice. My, I mentioned my girlfriend was kind enough to plan us a uh, – a four-day, five-day vacation down in Disney World. It was the first time that I'd ever been, and that was nice. 
but it had gotten postponed because of the hurricane. And by the time we were actually able to go for real, we had found out that Samson was sick. And when we got back, I mean, he died a few weeks later. So even that's kind of tainted in a way. Um, I don't know, man. I, I guess my favorite memory would probably be the pictures that Marissa, the other attorney that I work with, uh, got while I was away. So I had her dog sit while Jeannie and I were on vacation and unknown to us, um, she got pictures taken of him so that we have something to remember him by. Um, and as you look at like, uh, my Instagram photos, the, there's a website where you can get like your nine most popular Instagram photos from the year. Like four of them are pictures of the dog. Um, so it's a, it's a bittersweet memory. Um, it, it would probably be my favorite memory of 2017 just because it's been such a bad year in general. You know what I mean? Uh, so that is that one. What is my biggest accomplishment? Probably the podcast. I mean, it's, it's nice to have the start in May and we're still going in December and we still have people listening. That's not what I expected when I started it. We kind of did this by the seat of our pants and it's worked. I mean, it's had no advanced planning. We just kind of did it and it's worked. So my biggest accomplishment of 2017 will be Fiscum All. And do I have predictions for 2018? Uh, I hope it's better than this year. I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't know. So I think I'm going to save the predictions for a later podcast because I want to try and get Dave and James back on here to talk politics. Uh, my guess would be Republicans are going to lose their majorities in Congress. I think they're going to lose the House. I think they're going to lose the Senate. Um, I'm hopeful that my law firm will pick back up because it, it slowed down dramatically after I spent that year campaigning for the legislature back in 2016. Um, beyond that, I don't know. I mean, I don't have many expectations because 2017 has brought the bar so low. Um, I just hope that my family and my friends are healthy and survive another year. I mean, that's how low the standard has gotten, to be honest with you. Uh, so that's all I'm going to venture as far as 2018 predictions goes. That's all you got. Okay. So folks, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Fisk Mall and What the Fisk Volume 5. Uh, I'm going to try and get something together for January 1st. I don't know if it's going to happen because, as I mentioned, Mike is going to be on vacation. But I'm going to try my hand at recording everything and putting it together myself uh, because, like I said, we've got to go through these news stories. Otherwise, you're going to have like a three-hour episode on January 8th. Uh, but we'll see what happens from there. If you enjoyed this episode and what you hear in general, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. We would greatly appreciate it. Tell your friends on Twitter to listen to us and that you love us. And on behalf of myself and Mike, the sound guy, I hope everyone out there who is celebrating Christmas has a merry one. Everyone else, I hope you have a blessed week ahead, and we will see you in 2018. Mm -hmm.